Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Today's reading is from the book of Hebrews, the faith of Moses. By faith, Moses was um, hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the, good, with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, First, I have to say thanks to Veda for reading, and uh, any of you that have not signed up for the meal ministry for little baby Santiago over there, you'll have to see his cute face, and then you'll be vying for, like, the two spots that are left. Um, Wow. Sleeping through his first church service. That was great. Um, And Jaffe, thank you for telling your story and for being vulnerable with us. And um, congregation, thank you for holding that and um, for knowing that all of our stories are woven together. Um. Let us uh, begin with prayer. God, we hear this scripture and we think about the stories of our own lives and the story of Moses and we wonder how they all connect. Open our hearts in this moment open our hearts throughout our lifetime to have faith, to know that you are moving and that you have a greater vision for us to contribute into this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before I begin uh, talking today, uh, well, I guess I've already started talking, but before I begin talking anymore, I want you to, does everybody get a bulletin and maybe a pen? If you, have, if you don't have a pen, um, uh, Bola will have a pen, and maybe your bulletin or something. I just want you to have something to write on. And I want you to think back about your life. Um, everybody has a pen? Promise? Okay. I want you to think back about your life. Um, birth, you probably don't remember that part, but um, birth, childhood, elementary school years, junior high, 
high school and beyond. Um, and there might be a lot beyond, beyond. There might be like six months beyond. Um, but think about some of the big moments that you have experienced in your life. They, they could be great moments. They could be really hard moments. But think about some of those big moments and write them down. Maybe it's a college graduation. Maybe it's a first kiss. Maybe it's a clarifying conversation that you had with a friend or a family member. Maybe it's a beautiful hike that you took or a a trip that you took. Uh, But think about some of those big moments in your life. Not everybody's writing. They're just looking at me like, what's next? I'm not going to ask you to share them with anybody so you can write. It's okay. I would guess that some of those moments that you were thinking about and reflecting on were impactful. They were important because they allowed you to kind of create some meaning in your life. They're a lens through which you make sense out of your life. Um, I would guess that they're probably part of the first three pillars that we've been talking about in this Pursuit of Meaning sermon series. It's probably a story about belonging or not belonging, (laughs) or a story about um, cultivating a sense of purpose, something that came out of it, or a story about um, the divine transcendence interacting with God. These big moments in your life that apparently you're not writing down but just staring at me with, that's cool. Um, They're what bring color to your life. They um, no doubt influence the decisions that you've made from that point on. Um, And so as you're thinking about these big moments, the question I have for you is, how do you talk about them? How do you share them? What's the through line that connects those moments. Today we're talking about the final pillar of meaning in our Pursuit of Meaning sermon series, storytelling. Sharing our story is what helps us to understand um, our world. It's what helps us to understand where we've come from and where we're going. It's what allows us to um, compute things that may not logically go together Stories are powerful. Um, I think that's why Jesus used stories more often than not. We call them parables in um, the New Testament. All the time, he was casting this vision for God's reign, but instead of saying, this is my vision for God's reign, he would tell these stories. He would tell stories about peace and justice, stories about inclusion and care, stories about safety and kindness, instead of saying that you should do these things, he would tell stories. Jesus captured the imagination of those who were following him and still captures our imagination today through stories. And so I ask you again, as you think about these big moments in your life, these significant experiences that you've gone through, How do you talk about them? Are they stories that you share with any and everybody that you meet? Or are they stories that you hold to yourself or a few trusted friends? What do you do 
with those stories and experiences? How do you connect them all? It's interesting because we, um, UVC has this one-on-one culture. And so I've had the opportunity to meet with so many of you one-on-one. And in the course of a one-on-one, as when we teach it in our training, we say it's about exchanging stories. It's about sharing stories with each other. And so I have had people ask me questions, um, all from different angles, which has caused me to share my story over and over and over again, right? And I've had the opportunity to hear your stories. And um, I, have, I have seen you all meet up with each other in coffee shops and share stories with each other. And as I have reflected on sharing my story hundreds of times with hundreds of people that ask lots of different questions, I have come to realize that things in my past that at the time I didn't see how they were connected, I've come to realize that there is a through line. There is a connection between these things that seem unconnected. Um, It's a connection of faith, really. It's a tremendous gift to be able to tell your story over and over again because you begin to make meaning out of things that you could not understand alone. That makes sense. Sort of reminds me of um, the story of Joseph from the Bible. If we had read all of chapter 11 of Hebrews, you would have also heard Joseph mentioned. I'm not going to complicate it too much, but I'm going to give you a quick recap of Joseph. He um, was a favorite son of this guy named Jacob, and his brothers were jealous, and he also flaunted it. Um, And so they decided to, you know, sell him into slavery to the Egyptians, because that's what you do when you're mad at your brother. And um, it's a long story, but he's in jail for a long time. And then eventually, because he's able to tell the dreams, uh, to um, interpret Pharaoh's dreams, he ends up becoming the number two person in all of Egypt. Um, He is able to name that there's going to be a drought, and they save grain, and Egypt's doing well. So eventually, many, many years later, uh, Joseph's family comes and begs Egypt, Joseph, though they don't know it's Joseph, for food. And eventually, Joseph reveals himself, and they're scared for their lives because, you know, you discover your brother's the number two person in um, Egypt, and you sold him into slavery. You might think that, you know, you're going to be in trouble. But what Joseph says essentially is he's had time to reflect on his story. He's had time to see how all of these events led him to this place. And he, eventually, he essentially says, what you intended for harm, God has used for good. Through this line of faith, he is able to see that the power of God was with him even in the midst of all the chaos of his life that led him to that point. But it's only clear from hindsight, right? I think the same is true for Moses. We've been playing in his story. Um, I think it is only through hindsight that he probably was able to make sense out of all of these events that he had been a part of. I can just sort of see him there um, 
you can just sort of see him there uh, around the campfire. He's um, talking to his family, and he's telling him story of the burning bush and story of the Red Sea parting and, um, and all of the dry spells of not knowing what was happening in between those big events seems to connect. Does that make sense? And so years later, as he tells his story, he says, you know what the through line of all of these stories, all of these experiences that I have, it was Yahweh. It was my faith in Yahweh. It was God's vision for justice when I stood up for the Hebrew slave. God's holiness in the burning bush. God's power in the staff that parted the Red Sea. God's protection uh, when we wandered through the desert. God's provision when we received manna every morning. God's perfection when we received the Ten Commandments. Yahweh is what gave us meaning in all of these stories. Yahweh is what created community. I can imagine Moses sharing that story, right? Now, for centuries, we thought that Moses actually wrote Exodus because we figure, like, if it's a story about God and Moses, then it must be an autobiography. Um, but scholars now know Moses didn't write it. That, um, that it, that most stories in the Bible come from the oral tradition, and then they were eventually written down. So this means that the scripture from, now follow me, from the book of Hebrews that we're reading is like super far removed from the actual events that happened, if that makes sense. But there's this like through line of God's faithfulness. So there's the stories that like, there's the actual event that happened to Moses, right? Whatever event you want to pick. Then there's the story that Moses tells about the event that happened, which we know you can never actually tell exactly what happened from something, right? It's always a story. Then there's the stories that people told about the stories that, Joseph, that Moses told. Does that make sense? You following me? Then there is um, the stories that got written down in Scripture, so it's pretty far removed from what actually happened, but that far removedness allows us to kind of see more clearly this through line of faith. And then we get to the book of Hebrews, and the author is even further removed, and looking at Moses through the lens of Christ and sees an even different story of faithfulness. Isn't that kind of crazy? And this author, it's not Paul. People think that it's probably, they used to think that it's Paul, but as you kind of look at the book, it's far more sophisticated writing than any other scripture in the New Testament, so it's probably not Paul. It doesn't, the words aren't used, are, are not his. But so here is this author that's looking at all of these stories that we have in the Hebrew scriptures, the stories of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph and Moses. And this author tells us through all these brief stories that the through line of all of this is God binding us together, is, is the faith that they shared in God. 
Now, the author defines faith uh, earlier on in Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, so just before what we read, as, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. He used their stories to encourage and inspire um, the Christians who were facing persecution at that time. This author took the second century um, generation, the second generation of Christians, and he added new meaning to what they were going through by looking back at this long story of people in faith. Their faith in the second century of Christianity, their faith, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, is what buoyed them through the hardships because they could rely on this great story of God that arched back through generation and generation. And I wonder, I wonder if Moses were with me right now and he heard the author of Hebrews telling his story, if he would say, yeah, I see that pers- from that perspective, I see from this hindsight of what, two, three, four centuries later. This, this is part of my story, even if it's not historically accurately what happened, right? So as you're thinking about your significant events in your life, I wonder what role your faith, the conviction of things seen, the conviction of things hopeful, and, and I can't not even speak today, the conviction of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. What role does that play in putting together your story and your narrative? How has God's provision and power and justice been a through line in all of your stories. I have a, this, I'll call her an eclectic friend, uh, Rebecca. And she's eclectic because she um, has spent time as a stand-up comedian, and she spent time as a nanny, and she spent time as um, a farmer. Um, and about 10 years ago, she moved to Chicago to go to divinity school. I knew her from another church that I was at, and uh, when she moved here, she started getting involved in the storytelling scene. Has anybody been to a storytelling event? Only one person in the congregation. That's great. She got involved in the storytelling scene, and I remember one time she was telling me that, um, she's like, Brittany, this scene is crazy. She said, people, there'll be like 40 seats in this place, and people will line up hours in advance of the show in the freezing cold, all for a chance to hear these stories. She's like, can you imagine if people ever did that for church? They won't. It's too boring, she said. And I was like, yeah, it is. She's right, church can be boring because we don't tell stories. I think one thing that keeps this place from being boring is testimony. It's hearing people's stories. It's um, hearing people say, this is what God is doing in my life. Or hearing people say, 
I can't find God. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't understand how these events relate. Or it's hearing people say, I was broken, but God has brought me healing. It's all of these holy stories that keep this place from being boring. And I think it's significant that we tell these stories, like Jaffe was standing right here a minute ago. And this is where we read the scripture. It's not like your testimony is down here because it's insignificant, and then we read scripture up here because it's more important. They come from the same place. And I think that's significant because as we sit here week after week, we have this understanding that God's reign is far bigger than us individually, or even, um, I hope, even as a church here on the north side of Chicago. When we connect our stories with the stories of Scripture, we see that we have a community where we belong. And we begin to see this through line of faithfulness that casts meaning in our life. So about a year ago, my friend Rebecca um, and this other guy, Vince, they started a church. Have you heard of Gilead Church? Yeah. Um, 